Get your Bibles open, if you would, this morning to the book of Luke, chapter 6. And actually, I'm going to have you go to 2 Corinthians instead. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, chapter 13. 2 Corinthians, chapter 13. Say amen when you get there. I want to take advantage this morning of the fact that it has been cold and there's been a lot of ice. How many know that uh, ice is great when it's in your glass to drink? That's about it. And it's not good uh, on the place you walk or drive. And it it always makes me laugh how uh, everybody around the United States kind of makes fun of us here in Texas, but they haven't lived here to understand that we don't get snow. The other day we did get some snow, thank God, but most of the time it's just ice. And uh, it's dangerous. And we, I, I do have to admit that the city's gotten better. Dallas has gotten better since I've been here seven years at treating the roads. But uh, they don't get to those small streets, which is the problem. And so get to the main things, fine. But getting to, getting to it from your house is what's dangerous. How many had some interesting stories or times the last few days trying to get somewhere? Anybody slide at all? Any sliding at all? Maybe a little? Well, several years ago... I think it was about four years ago, me and my wife, many of you know, and uh, Kristen were on our way to church and we had an accident, a, a bad accident. And uh, we uh, were, were, were at home. It was a specific day where I, uh, we had just had a storm like this, but it was the day or two after. And we were uh, going to come to church like Norman. I usually get here early by myself. I drive my own vehicle, get here early and get ready for the service and pray and study and all that. And this particular day is the only time in the seven years we've been in this church that we did not, that I did not come by myself. And I told my wife, uh, I'm going to stay this morning and come with you guys. Something inside of me was telling me not to go alone. And that's the only time in all these years. So... Uh, we got in the car and began to drive over there by Teasley, where Brahms is. And we're coming, and it's like a day like today, and that's why I was sent out of text this morning to be extra careful, even though this, there's no ice that we see. We're driving, and we're going across that bridge in Teasley, the, the overpass, and all of a sudden, that car just starts doing 360s. Right, right. And we slid out on that ice, and we were going probably 50, because I had slowed down uh, more than normal. And uh, going about 50 miles an hour across that bridge and did two or two or three 360s and slammed into that median. And thank God no cars were coming. I think we ended up turning around the other way, looking the other way on the freeway. Uh, Kristen was on the driver's side or on the passenger side in the back seat on that side. And how many have ever been in an accident before? I haven't been in a lot, thank God. But when you're in that accident, it seems like everything stops and everything slows down like a movie. And I looked back and, I, and all I could think of is Kristen's going to hit that wall. And she got the worst of it. She did get some whiplash and stuff, but thank God nothing serious happened. And God protected us that day, amen, from in, any injury or death, amen. And uh, I, I remember thanking God as we were taking the, I think Dylan or somebody came and got the, 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 the girls for praise team practice. We still made it to church. And I was taking the car back uh, to the house in the tow truck. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly and said, today, the devil was going to take out your family. I mean, it was clear as a bell. And it's not that I'm a better. My wife's a very good driver. But something told me that day to stay home and uh, to drive together. 
And I know that I, I knew enough about driving that I did not put my foot on the brakes when we hit that ice. And if you know going across that Teasley exit, if you're on the right side, there's a drop off. And uh, there's no telling what would, what would happen to my family. But I know that from what the Lord told me, it wasn't going to be good. And so I thank the Lord that we can listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm here thankful that God can speak to us. We can listen to the Holy Spirit. Just like Gilbert. I need to stop. I need to pull over. I need to pray. I need to talk to God about this. But, you know, that ice, now I have a greater respect. I already respected it. But I have a greater respect for ice now. It doesn't mean I'm not going to go out and drive. It doesn't mean I'm going to stay home and be scared. It means I'm going to be safe and I'm going to be wise. And when I drive now, I have an extra respect for, for bridges. I have an extra respect for ice. And anything that looks like ice, to me, is ice. That's right. That's right. So I slow down and, and I'm very careful. Sometimes I'm a little tense. Amen. But how many know sometimes when something bad happens to you, it can be a good thing? Because if you're smart, you learn from it. And a lot, a lot of times in life, as we're here in church this morning and we're listening to God's word and we're going to read some things, we need to realize that God a lot of times allows things to happen to us so that we'll pay attention more, wake up to the situation and say, God, what are you trying to show me? And so I want to preach a message this morning called Slippery Slope or Solid Ground. And I want you to ask yourself as we go through this message, where, what kind of ground am I standing on now? As you, all of us, I, we could take a video right now, put it up on the screen and watch all of us this last few days walking around. It would be funny. Amen? It'd be funny, right? You've seen it. You, you, it would be funny to see how we're, you know, taking our steps. Yesterday, me and dad were coming up here to work on the church and we went to the racetrack to get some coffee. And I'm, I parked, I had to park back by the, by the, where to get gas. Because I tried parking early, for, uh, closer to the front, and it's just... So I backed it up and put it by the gas thing, parked there, and I walked across. And I'm, not, and, you know, I'm taking... How many know when you're walking on ice, you need to go like this? Not, you know, because then... Right, Jose? <laughs> Come on, I know, you know i got to pick on you. Pray for Jose. He fell yesterday. Don't feel good. Amen. Amen. So anyways, take baby steps. You're walking slow. And... And uh, this lady, I'll get back to the truck, and this lady's running. She's running. And then all of a sudden she almost slips, and then, she's, then she starts walking slow. But if, you, if we could see each other, we know that as we're walking, you're looking <clears throat> for the place where it's the most solid, where there's no ice. And you're picking those places, and you're not walking purposely. Sometimes there's a spot you have to walk, and then you walk slower. Amen. We have a nursery, everybody, if you need to take your kids back. Not, not that that's a problem. We love kids. But we have a great nursery. So, zero to four. So, as, I'm walking, as we're walking across this, we're looking for good, solid ground to step on. Snow usually is the good, best thing to talk, touch on. And that's a lot of times how we need to look at our walk. Where am I walking and how are my steps? And, and am I stepping on solid ground? How many know this is a dangerous world we live in? Right? The, the Bible tells us, not to scare us, but the Bible tells us a warning that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so this morning, we can think about driving here. The signs, now I want you to really get this part before I go forward. The signs on the sides of the road are not getting us in trouble when a speed limit says 65 or a sign says curve coming ahead or another sign says ice may be on the bridge or another sign says the animals are coming across the street, all those signs we see, those signs are not something that hurts us or penalizes us. Right. 
the signs. But what the signs are for is that we would see them and take heed. Right? So I would see a sign that says 65 and I could say, well, I want to go 85 or 75. The law says 65. Not even talking so much about the law or the, or the speed limit as much as the signs that say curve coming ahead. If you're driving and a curve is coming ahead, how many know it's smart to slow down? If it says slow down to 45, it means because it's not real safe to drive at 65 around a curve. The sign's not getting you in trouble, but if you don't listen or heed to the warning of the sign that's there, then you get in trouble. God's always sending us signs. He's always speaking to us, and I believe through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, through our walk with God, through family and fellowship and being at church, being in in counsel of wise people, listening to godly people around us in our marriage, in our finances, in our walk with God, we can have warnings, and if we'll listen to them and be wise to them, we will not fall. We can be on solid ground, amen? But the thing we have to understand is that there are, in the Bible, and I want you to write this down, four judgments, Now, as I say judgments, don't go, oh, man, here we go. This is going to be a really bad, scary, oh, man, I don't don't like this message already. I just told you the signs on the road are not bad. Okay? They're only dangerous if you don't listen to them, right? How how many of you could admit that a sign may have saved your life one time? If you heeded to it, amen? Warning ahead. Uh, You know, if there's a sign that says slippery ground or, or cliff, you should probably pay attention to it, right? Because you walk off the cliff. There's stuff that, that's there for a reason, amen? And so as we get into this, I, I really believe this message is going to hurt, uh, touch some people and help some people this morning. But I want to talk about four judgments. Now, the first thing that comes into our minds as human beings is, don't judge me. Right? How many have heard the world say that? The world says it all the time. Don't judge me. How many have been talking to somebody even about the Lord? Don't judge me. Right? Luke said, look, 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 stay in Second Corinthians, but Luke 6.37 says, Judge not lest you be judged, condemn not lest you be condemned. And so they'll use that verse. Don't judge me. Okay? Here's the thing. But we need to learn to judge ourselves. Amen. Learn to judge yourself. Okay? And so a lot of times people put that up because they don't want to heed or answer to God or anything like that. And uh, you shouldn't judge at all. But listen to what Matthew 7 says. How can you take the splinter out of someone else's eye, and I'm paraphrasing, when you have a two by four in yours? Right? Isn't that what the Bible says? So the, the walk with God, our walk with God is always back on me. Our flesh is always wanting to put our walk on somebody else. Our eyes are always going to be looking around and we're going to be uh, walking and saying, hey, watch out for that slippery slope. Watch out for that frozen ice. Watch out for that. And we fall ourselves. Right. So God is saying, let's get our eyes off of everybody else and let's get our eyes on the mirror. That's the safest place to be this morning. But I want to show you a few judgments in the Bible that the Bible shows us that we need to judge ourselves. First Corinthians, I told you chapter 13, but go to 11 real quick. You're right close there. And get ready to write some verses down. Get ready to, to make, get, make some good notes. Say amen if you're there. 1 Corinthians. Yeah, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I know you're in 2 Corinthians. Verses 11, 31 and 32. We, we read this when we are uh, getting ready to take communion. And it says, for if we judge ourselves, we shouldn't be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened or corrected of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read that again. This, this is a verse that should make you happy right here. No matter where you're at this morning, 
whether you're here and you've been saved for many, many years, 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32, whether you've been saved for many years or you've never heard a gospel message or you've been around religion, so to speak, or whatever, but you, you, you've never really listened and paid attention, could God be talking to me? This says, if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged, but when we are judged, judging ourselves and allowing God to do it, we are chastened or corrected of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Okay, how many would rather this morning have God judge you personally and look at your life and allow your life to line up with what his word says than judge you with the world that does not know God? Okay, I'd rather have God chasten me or correct me or discipline me than the world. How many know this morning that if you're going to do anything for God or make it for God, you've got to learn to respect God? Right? A godly fear. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. To be, to be wise and say, God, it's, and, and again, we've gone over this a million times and this isn't the message. It's a, it's a balance. It's not a fear of walking around thinking he's trying to hurt you, but it's a respect. That's right. It's a respect of God. Amen. It's saying, God, I know you are God That's right. and I respect you enough to heed to your discipline and to your chastising. And when you tell me something, hey, I'm going to listen. Amen. We were talking yesterday eating a little bit during the workday that, uh, you know, this generation is so different than the generation in the past where, you know, there's no discipline today with kids. And I'm not going to chase that rabbit either. Amen. But just the discipline is different now than it was back then. You've got kids that are dis- that are disrespecting their parents. You've got kids that are telling their parents to shut up. You've got kids that are telling their, their parents that you know, they're not going to listen to them. And we were talking about, man, when we grew up, we, my dad, I knew my, when my dad looked at me, I, if, I, if I knew if I ever said something like that to my dad, amen, there'd be some wrath coming from my dad. Shut up. Are you serious? Why? Because there's discipline. And we were talking about, I remember my dad spanking me all the days of my life, amen, growing up. Amen. Just last week. No, I'm just kidding. And he would spank me when I was growing up. Mom would spank me. But you know what? I have no ill will towards my father at all. Zero. I don't have any, I don't have any mean, mean thoughts or anger or, or, or disrespect. Matter of fact, I respect that. And I don't go back in my mind and say, oh, man, I don't even remember the pain. I know it hurt. But that's why God gave us a behind. Amen. And the Bible says, spare not the rod. Spare the rod. Spoil the child. Amen. I will just listen to me for a second. This is important because we have a spoiled generation. Amen. Spank your kids. I wasn't going to chase it. Spank your kids. Amen. This hand works good on the behind. It leaves a mark and then it goes away. Okay. I wasn't going to chase it. I promise. But this is important because if you don't understand to spank your kids, you won't let God spank you. There's times when God needs to spank us. He needs to get us in order. And then because of the fact that my parents obeyed the word of God. They weren't perfect parents, but they were great parents. And because they followed that, I respect them to this day. And there's a godly respect that I have for my parents. Not a bad thing. So if you think you're going to traumatize your kid by spanking them, it's the other way around. If you don't spank them, you're going to traumatize them. Amen. Because they're going to be doing whatever they want to do. And I know girls are different. Amen. I probably didn't spank my girls nearly as much as, as, as my dad spanked me and my brother. Right. I know girls are different a lot of times, but they still got spanked. You can ask them. 
Amen. And I still tell them today they're not too old to get spanked. Amen. There's no age, but you're just not too old to get spanked. All right. But this all goes back to the fact that God wants to correct us. He wants to help us. Amen. And I'd rather be helped and corrected by the Lord than be judged with the world. Okay. Because listen, judgment is coming. Okay. And that's not bad news. That just means there's a sign up there and it's saying, warning, 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 judgment's coming. And, and listen, please don't get this wrong. It's a good message. Amen. This isn't a doomsday message, but it's a fact. There, judgment is coming. Judgment's coming on our country. Judgment's going to come to us eventually. Every one of you here today that's listening to my voice needs to understand you will stand before God. You will stand before God. You will give an account for your life before God. And I want God to teach me now so that I'm in good standing when I stand before him. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. The first judgment is self-examination. Okay, four judgments. How many are still here? All right. Look at somebody next to you and say, it's going to get good right here. 2 Corinthians 13. Let's read this. Verses 6 to 9. Number one, or four judgments, is self-examination. But I trust, verse 6, that you should know that we are not reprobates. How many don't want to be reprobates this morning? What's reprobate? It means morally unprincipled, rejected, not in good standing with God. He says, now I pray to you, sorry, I pray to God that you do no evil, not that you should appear approved. Ooh, that's good. Not that you should appear approved but that you should do what is honest, though we be as reprobates. saying, don't think like the world, okay? We can't think like the world. We can't appear on Sunday morning like we love God. He's saying, don't act like you love God. Love me. Okay, really love me. Then verse 8 says, for we can do nothing against the truth. We can fool ourselves all day long, but truth steals the truth. For we, verse 9, are glad, see you can be glad during this, when we are weak and you are strong, and this also we wish, even your perfection. How many want God's perfection this morning? I want God's perfection. I'm not perfect, but I want God's perfection. Now look at verse 5. Go back just a few verses to verse 5. And here's the key to self-examination. The number one judgment we have to do is judge ourselves. It says, examine yourselves. Amen? Say, examine yourself. Say, I'm examining myself. Whether you be in the faith. I'm reading the verse. That's what it says. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Okay? And then it says, prove your own selves. How many would be honest this morning and just admit we are too busy trying to prove everybody else? A lot of times we're too busy worried about everybody else and not worried enough about ourselves. Amen? I can't get up here and preach to you if I'm not working on myself. The message goes to me before it ever gets out of my mouth to you. I'm working on myself. I want to be right with God. I want to be in good standing with God. I want to know that I'm right in the, in, 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 in the faith. How many want to really know you're in the faith this morning? Not just wonder. How many want to really know this morning that when Jesus comes back, you're going? How many want to really know this morning that when you die, you're going to stand before God as a Savior and not as a judge? Amen. That's what I want. So I'm going to examine myself before I get examined by the world. Then he says, know ye not 
your own selves. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you'd ask yourself, do you really know yourself? Do you really know your tendencies? Do you really know your struggles? Do you really know your weaknesses? Do you really know where the devil fights you? If you don't know the areas of your weakness, the devil's going to get you every time. It's like that warning sign that says, look, you're really weak in this. How many would admit that there's areas of your life that you're weaker than you are in others? There's certain areas in your life where, you know, that thing, I'm not going to go into things, what they are, that thing doesn't bother you a bit. It doesn't tempt you. It doesn't pull you away. It doesn't bother you. But on the other side, there's some things in your life that if you go near them, they're going to suck you in. Because you did that in your past. Your old man, your old woman did that kind of thing. And so you need to stay away from those things and know yourself. Listen, he says, now, this is verse 5 still, that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be a reprobate. Amen? Again, reprobate meaning uh, morally unprincipled. Somebody who's not understanding the, 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 the principles of the word. Amen. Smile at me real quick. Everybody just smile at me. Just make sure you're not mad at me. Some of y'all didn't smile. All right. Write this down. Humble yourself. Don't say, God humble me. Let me help you with your vocabulary. Don't say, God humble me. I catch myself a lot. When I want to be humble, I'm trying to stay humble, and I'll say, Lord, I humble myself. You don't want God to humble you. You want to humble yourself because he will do it. And you won't like it. It's better to humble yourself. Okay? It's better just to take that spanking. I was joking with the guys yesterday when my dad would say, how many have ever had your parents say, when we get home, how many parents have said that? When we get home, I didn't even need the spanking. Once I heard, when we get home, that was it. Because the rest of the ride was torture. Knowing what was coming. But here's the thing. If you say, when we get home, they do it. Because if you warn and warn and warn and warn, your kids are going to know you ain't doing nothing. So there's no fear. My dad always said he was going to do it and did it. Now, back then, I didn't like that. But looking back now, I thank God he did. So I dreaded the whole ride home. Sometimes it'd be 20, 30 minutes. I'm back there crying. He hadn't spanked me yet. But I know what it felt like last time. And I'm thinking, am I stupid or what? I did it again. And then we get home, and he'll say, now go up to my room, pick out a belt, and wait for me. Man, the waiting's worse than the spanking, right? Y'all follow me? Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Right? That's the problem. Come on, be real. Some of you, maybe you're a teenager. I've never been spanked. Well, well, that's all I got to say about that. Well, ain't too late. Amen. Then you sit there with the belt in your hand, crying some more. Then the spanking comes. Right? And sometimes just the look would work. 
If you spank them every once in a while, then just a look will work. Right? Hey. Shape up. So I humble myself. I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be wise about this. I don't like the way this feels. My dad doesn't. My dad loves me. My dad doesn't. I know there's abuse. I know there's bad parents. I know all that. I don't understand all that. But God's not that. God's not that. God's a good God. And that's the problem sometimes. We struggle between the way we were raised and God. But we can still learn. We're not too old or too young to learn. Amen? And so I humble myself, and then I admit I need to change. You'll never stop learning. When you get it in your head that you're never going to stop learning, you've never arrived, and you're never going to arrive until we're standing in glory. Until we're standing in a glorified body in heaven and not on this earth anymore. We have not arrived and we won't arrive. You try to arrive and you strive to perfection, but you won't get there. But you admit, I need to change. You know who the people in here are growing the most are? Are the ones that every message that's preached is for them. Every message that's preached is for me. I'm never looking around and saying, well, I hope they got that. It's for me. I need to change. I need to do better. I need to grow closer to God. I need to be a better witness for the Lord. It's me. It's always inside. That's number one. Number two is the judgment of the... Now listen, here's what I want you to get. Two, three, and four can be avoided by one. Okay? Meaning, if you don't heed to the first sign, the second sign's... Hey, what? It gets more... Hey. Now you've messed, now you're in danger, and you, see, you keep seeing those signs, and you get to a place where you're really in trouble, and what's, those, what's the message? Slippery slope or solid ground. How many know when you get to a place of a slippery slope in something, there is a place where there's no turning back? How many have ever seen those, you know, like going back to the ice again, if you're driving on ice, one of the scariest things is, is a hill. Going up or going down. But if you begin to be driving, and all of a sudden you see a, a hill, and it's icy, scary. Because you know once you hit a certain point on that bridge, you cannot stop. You're just going to hit something. And so that's how it is in life. We've got to learn to not go over that bridge and get to that slippery slope if we know danger's coming. Stay on solid ground. And so these next that I'm going to go over, just remember, can be avoided if we focus on number one. Self-examination. Number two is the judgment of the Holy Spirit. Go to Acts chapter 5 quickly. I'm going to run through this real quick. How many are still here? Amen. All right, this is good stuff. This is medicine for our souls. Growth for the Holy Spirit. Amen? Acts chapter 5. Uh, the judgment of the Holy Spirit. Write that down. And sorry, right before you, we read this, uh, ending up number one, I skipped a verse that's very important. Proverbs 28, 13. Listen to this. He that covers his sins shall not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Isn't that a good verse? Proverbs eleven twenty three. 23. Let me read that again. He who covers his sin. That's not saying we don't sin. It's he who acts like he does not sin. Or he who tries to hide from God that he sinned or hide from other people that we sinned or made a mistake. We can't do that. He who covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoever confesses. And this is what I love about this Proverbs. A lot of times we say, well, I'll just confess my sin. No, it says he who confesses and forsakes sin. Meaning don't do it again. Meaning those words of Jesus, go and sin no more. 
Okay, so he says, he who confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. When God sees a a man or a woman with his own heart that knows he made a mistake but confesses that sin and says, I don't want to do that again, he has mercy on them. Amen. Amen? One of the reasons that judgment church is coming to our nation, and I'm going to get into that in a second, is because we don't turn away from our sin anymore. We don't repent for our sin anymore. And you say, well, I'm not doing that. Well, you live in this country and we're under the government that's not, that's not, do, that's not adding, owning up to its sin anymore. And no, nothing's wrong anymore. Nothing's a sin. Nothing's bad. Everything's okay. Listen, God's going to judge that. Amen. We can pray at, for our nation and we need to, but God's going to judge that. And so the Holy Spirit, now number two, the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter five. You there? Read this with me. A lot of, this isn't a real popular uh, section of scripture. But the Holy Spirit's involved. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Peter said, Ananias, why has, focus on three, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Okay, just focus on that right there. If you're taking notes, write down, I'm not going to lie to the Holy Spirit. Okay? You can't. You can't. You just can't do that because God knows. So he says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And I'll finish this in a second, but this, it's always a hard issue. And a lot of people misinterpret. Let me finish reading it first. For, verse 4, while it remained, was it not your own? Talking about the property, the possession. After it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to who? But to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last breath. Dropped dead. Dead. Just like that. Fell down and breathed his last breath. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. <clears throat> and the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. And Peter said, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Watch out when you're trying to do something wrong and find someone to do it with you. Amen. Watch out for that. Because if you want to do something wrong, you'll find someone that'll do it with you. And I'm talking in God. I'm talking about if you want to find someone to justify something wrong you're doing in sin, you'll find a church, you'll find a person, you'll find a place that will tell you what you're doing is okay. Be careful from that. Why have you agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Then he says, look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And the Bible says immediately she fell dead. Say this with me. Thank you, God. That I live under grace. This was something that was in the New Testament church. But by grace does not happen today. Because none of us would be here. We'd all be dead. And just to understand this before we move on in this story. It wasn't about that they, you say, many people misunderstood. They sold a possession and gave it to the church and died? I'm not going to ever give nothing to the church. Amen. That's not what it's trying to say. They sold a house or a possession or a property, let's say for $20,000. And they said, we sold it for this much and this is what we gave. They could have just said, hey, we sold our house and we want to give $1,000. But 
but they lied about the amount and said they gave it all. So that's sometimes when we don't really take as serious as we should the things of God. Because sometimes, because we're under the grace, we don't see the results immediately. We don't see the, 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 the uh, discipline or the correction immediately. And so that's when we go back again to number one, and we're examining ourselves to make sure that we're not doing these things that are unpleasing to God. Amen? So we know that this, listen, Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife because he knew, watch this, the Holy Spirit knew. We know the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife in the Old Testament. She wanted to be with him sexually. She wanted to have sex. She wanted to have an affair with him. She was married. He was a nice looking man. He was in charge of a lot of stuff. And this woman kept throwing herself on him. And no one was around. And he could have done it. He could have got, he could have got away with it. And nobody would have known. But he said, I know the Holy Spirit knows. See, that's the kind of life we need to live as believers. I, I might be able to get away with it, but I know the Holy Spirit knows. And that's my, that's my ultimate goal is to please God. How many know we'd be living a much better life if we would remind ourselves, I know the Holy Spirit knows. Amen. How many times have we fallen and did not listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Right? How many times? Ask yourself this question. This is a self-examination. I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a test. I know it's not, I know it's not school day. But this, this is important. Amen. Ask yourself that question. How many times have you had the Holy Spirit speak to you and say, don't do that, don't go there, don't be with those people, don't think that, don't say that, and you didn't listen. And then you look back, I mean, how many people today are sitting in prison cells, looking at the wall, thinking, man, I wish I'd have listened. Man, I wish, I wish I'd have listened, because listen, God will always give you a way out. He'll always give you an opportunity to say no. He'll always, the Bible says that in James, there's no temptation that's been given unto man that there's not a way out. So, so the Holy Spirit will judge us. I'm not going to go into this next story, but write this down. Pride is always the problem. Pride is always the problem. Amen? If you are a prideful person, you're not going to make it for God. And if you say, I have issues with that, then ask the Lord to help you. We all have to deal with pride. But pride is a killer. Amen? Does God really judge today? Yes, I, I have some stories I'm not going to go into for time. There are many, many things that happen today, and we can look at it sometimes. How many have ever looked at something and said, man, that's the judgment of God right there? Right. You may be wrong or right, but you can see something that happens in someone's life, and you say, man, that's the judgment of God. When things are done to you, how many have ever had something done bad to you? Sometimes even by somebody that you loved or family, friends, and, and inside you thought, man, I don't really want this to happen, but I know that if they don't change, they're going to reap this. Amen? Because God is not mocked. And so you just give it to the Lord. But the fact is, the judgment of the Holy Spirit still exists today. Amen. Amen? Number three. So as we go to number three, just think about that. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, don't do something, I'm going to listen. And it's going to keep you out of trouble. Number three is the judgment of the rapture of the church. Did you know the rapture of the church is a judgment? Think about this. I know we got a lot of visitors. I know we got a lot of people in here this morning. I want to just make a, make a statement. We don't change what we preach because visitors are here. Amen. I preach what the Lord puts on my heart. Sometimes I'd love to just give a, you know, whatever. I got to tell what the Lord says Amen. in my heart. And, and, and the word of God is going to change your life this morning. Amen. Amen. There is a time coming. And I want everybody to pay attention to this for a couple minutes. There is a time coming that the Bible says could be right now or any time in the near future. Right. Meaning today 
or any time in the near future, okay, that is called the rapture of the church. The church is us. Not the physical building, but the church is the, this is the place we come together for, to have church. But the church is us. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, in 1, it's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, the Bible says that the, J- Jesus Christ, who has died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, is going to come back to get his church. And he's going to take them out of the world before judgment on the world comes. So the rapture of the church is a judgment. Not on us but on the unbelieving world. Think about that. The Bible says that we are not appointed unto wrath. Okay? We are not appointed unto that. It is not God's will for us to go through the wrath of God or the judgment of God. So the rapture of the church is our salvation, but it's the world's judgment. And when he raptures the church and the trumpet sounds, judgment comes upon the world and the church is taken out. Amen. And we're no longer here. Amen. Thank God. That's a judgment that, again, if you go back to number one, self-examination, you are not going to be a part of that judgment. Because listen to me closely this morning, all of you that are here listening. This point right here is very important because this is where we're at. If you were to look at a watch, and look, right now it's 1125, 1126 on March 1st of 2015. If you were to look at a watch, the Bible says... That there's a day and an hour that is going to happen that God already knows. It's established. And the Bible says a trumpet's going to sound. And Jesus is going to take the believing church. The believing, the ones that believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That he died and rose, rose from on the, on the cross. Rose from the grave. Ascended into heaven. And when that happens... Millions of people are going to disappear from this earth. We are going to be taken out. Leonard Nimoy just just died. They said, beam me up, Scotty. We're going to get beamed up. What are you talking about? The Bible says it. Isn't it funny? We can sit there and watch Star Trek, see him get beamed up, and we believe that. We can't believe Jesus could take us up to heaven. Let me, let me get real elementary for a second before I close. How many here have at least heard the story in the Bible, of Noah and the ark. Let me see your hands. Okay? Most people. The rapture of the church is the modern day Noah's ark. We are building an ark right now. A spiritual ark. We are telling people, Jesus is coming. Maybe you've heard it. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Listen, we've been remodeling this church. We've been putting chairs in. And we've been, yesterday it was freezing and the roads were bad. And we had to postpone Youth United. And and we had to push it off to next week because people are scared to get out and drive and all these things. And those are real valid things. But let me tell you something. After Jesus Christ has come back for his church and the tribulation starts and the judgment of this world begins to be on this earth, there will be no freezing, no rain, no weather that will keep people from coming to church because they will want to get their lives right with God but it will be too late if they don't put their faith in Jesus Christ it's a real thing coming the door's going to shut one day and when that door's shut you cannot get in if you think that you've seen bad things with ISIS if you think you've seen bad things around the world and bad things happening you haven't seen nothing yet And I'm not saying that to just be mean or be a doom and gloom. It's a fact. Wake up and realize that this is coming soon. Jesus is coming. And when he takes the church out, this world is going to be different. 
The things you think are important right now are not going to amount to a hill of beans. They're going to mean nothing. Get ready. Self-examine yourself. Make sure you're right with the Lord. Humble yourself. Say, God, seek me and search me and look inside me and make sure there's nothing in me that is not pleasing to you. How many just heard this week? And I'm going to go to four and we'll finish. How many just heard this week about that young man, 24-year-old, what's his name, Jesse? Isaac, that, that uh, was running from the police and died. You all hear about that on the news? Just this week, 24-year-old was running from the police in a car and slammed into a big F- F-350 and died. Running from the police. Okay, you saw that on the news. Okay? Uh, Jesse knew him personally. And two months ago, he came to Jesse's house for a ride. And Jesse told him about the church. He invited him to church. He told him about the Lord. And, and he said, okay, I'll, I'll come sometime. You never know when the last chance is that you're going to hear the gospel and heed to it. I don't know the man's heart. I don't know what he was going through. Only God does. But if he did not put his, listen, if he did not put his faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he is in hell right now. That's the Bible says, not me or anybody else. If he was not saved, he is going to stand before a living God. And the Bible says he's going to say what I'm going to get into right now. in number four, final judgment. I could have spent, if you're you're taking notes, Matthew 25, 1 to 13, we'll go with number three. I'm having to rush, this is, I'm having to rush through this. This is a message that, that probably could have been done in two parts. But Matthew 25 is the parable of the virgins. And and in that virgin, I know I'm trying to get to four and finish. In that parable of the virgins, it means ten believers. Ten believers. Not five unbelievers and five believers. It is ten believers. Because they all have lamps symbolizing salvation. And in that time, the Bible says that, 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 that the coming, my dad was saying this yesterday, he's been saved over 50 years. He's been hearing what I'm telling you about for 50 years. That's a long time. But like I always said, he's 50 years closer today than he was when he got saved to the return of Christ. And this, 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 we hear about it. We hear about it. And I'm going to tell you something. I feel like never before in 22 years of ministry, like I do now, how Noah must have felt. You're trying to get people to believe that there's a flood coming and nobody wants to listen. Do y'all ever feel like that? That you've got the answer, you've got, you've got hope. This hopeless world is lost and, and dying and killing itself and drugging itself and medicating itself and drinking itself to death. And we have the answer and nobody wants to hear it. But here's the correlation. If you don't believe this morning in a rapture of the church, when, when Noah was telling about the flood, you have to realize there had never been rain before. It had never rained. They had never seen a drop of rain fall from the sky. So when I'm telling you it's going to rain, they're saying, what is rain? The church today through the word of God is saying there's a rapture of the church coming. And the people say, what's the rapture of the church? Why? Because they've never seen it before. But once those drops began to come from the sky and that boat began to go up in the water and the door was shut, then people believed all of a sudden in rain. Same thing will happen when the, when the rapture happens. You'll be left behind to face the judgment of the Lord 
on this earth and the unleashing. You think this world's bad right now? There's what the Bible calls is a restrainer. There's two things that, are, that, are deal with, that have to do with that. One is the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay? In the church. Okay? The fullness of the Holy Spirit in the church. That's what the restrainer is. Some people don't uh, 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 misunderstand the fact that after the rapture, people think that the Holy Spirit's not going to be on the earth. That's not true. The Holy Spirit is going to be on the earth. People can't get saved unless the Holy Spirit draws them. The Holy Spirit will be on the earth. Here's the difference. It will not be inside the church. The church is the other part of the restrainer. We are praying for people. We are standing in the gap for people. I know the church is less than it ever has been before. The real church. But there's a real church. And I believe many of us in this place are that real church. That we believe in what the Bible says. We're standing in the gap. We're praying. We're witnessing. We're preaching. And once we're gone, that restrainer's gone. So you think it's bad now. It's bad now with all this good church people, believers, praying and, and, and in the Holy Spirit and walking in the embodiment of the Holy Spirit on this earth. Once we're gone, all hell's going to break loose. Because there'll be no church to stand in the way. There'll be no church to stand in the gap. It's like a fight that breaks out at school. If someone doesn't, have you ever seen a bad fight? Someone doesn't break that fight up, someone's going to kill someone. But somebody walks, steps in and breaks it up. And a lot of times, that's a whole other story, but a lot of times people are glad they got broke up. Amen. So they didn't have to finish the fight. But that fight gets broke up by somebody and there's a restrainer. So that the real nastiness of that fight doesn't happen. That's what the church is doing today. We're restraining. We see horrible things, but it's not comparable to what you're going to see once the restrainer, the church, is gone. We're out. And then the true unleashing of the wrath of first the the devil comes and then God himself. God himself will judge this world. Write this down as I promise that this is the end of the message. There's two types of judgment at the end. The final judgment. Okay, I said the first one was self-examination. I said this first one would keep you from the other three. Second one was what? Somebody shout it out. Judgment of the Holy Spirit. If that guy that got in that wreck would have listened to the Holy Spirit through your words, he might be sitting in here this morning. My dad was telling me this week about how he used to smoke cigars back when he worked in his own business. I hope you don't mind me saying that. He smoked for years and uh, thought, you know, did it because it was what everybody else was doing. It's relieved stress and all that. And one day he, God got a hold of him and he, and he made a statement, I'm never going to smoke again. Now it was how many years ago? 38 years ago. Never touched a cigar again. But the reason he told me that, and the reason I say that, is because he said when he said that, the Holy Spirit was so strong on him that it reminded him that when you, come, when you go back to your sin, those spirits come back seven times stronger. And the Holy Spirit told him, if you go back, and the fear of the Lord came upon him. There's a holiness in the fear of the Lord that says, warning, 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 stop. Stop doing what you're doing. 
change. Some of you in here this morning, I don't know you all. Some of you in here this morning need to make a decision to stop today the lifestyle that you're living. Stop doing what you're doing. You might even say, I'm not, even, I'm not a bad person. That's okay. Goodness is not going to get you into heaven. You've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ today. You've got to make a 180. You've got to turn away from this world and begin to look unto Jesus as the author and the finisher of your faith. Because listen, you will remember my words. You will remember these words. People are today, listen, are in hell listening over and over again to messages that they did not listen to. Tormented in hell. Knowing that they they just would have listened. If they just would have gave up that sin, if they just would have got serious, something would have happened. Write this down. Two types of salvation and the final, two types of judgment, the final judgment. One is going to be for saved. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10. One is going to be for saved people. The other one's going to be for condemned. Revelations 20. I want to end there if you would. Revelations 20. Just go there quickly. I'll have the musicians come. Revelations chapter 20. Please look in this, at this with me this morning. And as you're looking, I'm actually going to do this backwards. I'm going to say the, the bad one first. If I want to end on the good. There's going to be two judgments. How many fingers am I holding up? That's it. Just two. Please, please pay attention for the next couple minutes right here. Don't, don't, don't lose out on what I'm saying here. Two judgments. Not three, not one, not five, not four, two. There's two places. One and one. Two places we will spend eternity. Two. Not three, not one, not five, not zero. Two. One is in hell. One is in heaven. Period. Believe it or not. You, you sit here and say, I don't believe that. You will. You will believe that. You will believe it someday. My goal, my call, my passion is you'd believe it today. And you would choose heaven. Because some people erroneously say, man, how could a loving God send people to hell? God does not send people to hell. People reject the salvation message. The son, salvation, the life. Jesus gave his life for you on the cross. He died so you wouldn't have to die. He paid the price for you wouldn't have to pay the price. And he says, choose this day whom you will serve. And and if you choose heaven, that's where you're going to go. I said a few weeks ago, no one's going to be in heaven that doesn't want to be. Nobody. And if you're here this morning, you might say, well, I don't, man, I'm part of this religion or I'm part of this church or I'm part of this. There's going to be no churches and there's going to be no religions in heaven. There's going to be no churches, there's going to be no religions, and there's going to be no denominations in hell. None. Well, I'm, I'm a member of this church. We've had people come in here and say they want to be members, and I've never seen them again. What is it, a membership card you're going to show God? We don't even give out membership cards. You're going to be in trouble. If you don't, you're, not going to, you're not going to, God, look at my membership card. People think they're going to get into heaven with a membership card. Just because you got a membership at the gym don't mean you go. Right. <laughs> Amen? It's the truth. You're, there's only one thing that's going to have you in heaven. 
the blood. Jesus is going to see, God's going to see the blood of his son instead of you. That's, and, 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 and um, this is what Revelation says. Let me read this real quick. Hope I got your attention. Ch chapter 20. How many are there? Verse 12. Right at the end of the book. How many like just skip past the beginning and get to the end of the book? Maybe you don't understand anything else. Get this. Verse 12. And I saw the dead. I got news for you. There's two things for sure in the United States. Death and taxes. Amen. Right? You're going to pay your taxes. You're going to die. It's not bad news. It's just the truth. We're going to die. So the dead says, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the what? Book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. By the things which were written in the books. So stop for a second. Everything you say, everything you do, everything you think, every day is being written down. How many of you have ever been to court and seen the person that's typing everything that's said in the courtroom? Every single thing you say. Everything. Now the good thing is, moving towards the good news, is if you believe Jesus Christ and you live a life that's holy and you're looking for God, you won't be at this one. This won't be you. This does not have to be you this morning. This is for those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. Then it says the sea gave up the dead, verse 13, and who were in it? And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Meaning the things they've done. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Meaning the first death is your physical death. This is the second death, spiritual. Only problem is, is it's not a real spiritual death. You don't die. The Bible says that, that, that hell is a place where the worm does not die. That means it's forever. It's forever. Amen? Prison not pretty. And anyone, watch this, verse 15, not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's going to happen. You can stand here, sit here, think whatever you want. There'll be a day if you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will stand before God. That's why I said earlier, as a judge or as a savior. As a judge or as a savior. Because 2 Corinthians 5, you read it later, that's called the judgment seat of Christ. That's the one you want to be at. That's you, you're saved and you give an account for your life and God blesses you and, 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 and gives you uh, jewels and a crown for what you've done for the Lord. Okay? That's the one you want to be at. And listen, I want all of you to be at, the, at that one. And so does God. And the Bible says this morning, how can, I, how can I know if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Amen. That's the gospel. Amen. That's the gospel.